0: The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network, and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 241. One
1: day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a time lord. I'm not
0: a human being. I walk in eternity. Bravehearty.
1: Change, my dear, and it seems on a moment too soon.
0: Unlimited vice pudding. Physician wearing <laughs> a bit thin. Fantastic.
1: I am Scottish.
2: I can complain about things.
1: She'll be
0: fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the seventh Doctor story, Battlefield. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thank you. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, remember to join the StarQuest fan club by texting StarQuest to 66866. That's StarQuest to 66866 and just follow the prompts and i also want to recommend another show that's available here on the StarQuest network called the catholics of oz check it out it's our friends Lindsay and caroline and Lino, uh our friends from oz or australia if you will and they the, every week every other somewhere week somewhere over the
1: equator <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: right and every other week they have an episode and they talk about things that are going on in faith Things that are going on in entertainment and science and all kinds of fun stuff. Check it out; it's a great show. All right, uh, so we are talking today about this seventh Doctor story called Battlefield. It's in the the third. It's the first serial of the th- of this Doctor's the Seventh Doctor's third season, and it was. It's kind of an odd arrangement of things because there was a half season in there somewhere. the The is... They're very short seasons, but uh, but it's or series as our British ones refer to it. Uh, but it's the it's the first serial of that of this final run for yeah. Classic and and the Seventh Doctor.
2: Yep, this was the this was the final season. Of course, at the time they didn't know it was. They thought it. You know, at the end of the season, they thought it was just going to go on hiatus again for a while. While well, that hiatus hiatus lasted, not counting the the TV movie until two thousand five.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a long hiatus. Nearly killed it. Uh, But first, uh, let's start with a recap of what happens in this serial, these four episodes. Jimmy, can you give us a recap?
1: The TARDIS receives a signal from Earth a few years in Ace's future, far enough that the brigadier has not only retired from unit, but also from teaching, which is what we last saw him doing in the Fifth Doctor's time. The signal is coming from near a lake that has both an archaeological dig and a unit nuclear missile on hand for reasons. It turns out that in his own personal future, the Doctor will become involved with people from a parallel dimension infused with both futuristic technology and Arthurian elements, and he will become Merlin for those people. He will become embroiled in the conflict between King Arthur, Morgan Le Fay, and her son Mordred. Somehow, they'll end up on our Earth in the 700s AD, and the Doctor will leave a spaceship at the bottom of this lake, a spaceship containing the remains of King Arthur and his sword Excalibur. Back in the present, the folks from the futuristic Arthurian universe cross over to ours and start battling each other. Morgan Le Fay wants to have a final showdown with Arthur, who she has the hots for and who she doesn't realize is dead. In the process, she turns loose a demonic destroyer of worlds, but the brigadier shoots it dead with silver bullets, and it explodes for reasons. For some reason also, Morgan then tries to set off the nuclear missile, but the doctor appeals to her sense of honor and convinces her that nuclear war isn't honorable, so she aborts it. He also breaks the news to her that Arthur is dead, thus breaking her heart. The story is also populated with a bunch of colorful characters that I'm sure we'll talk about. But those are the broad strokes of the story. The end.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have my I want to give my first impression of the overall story, Mm -hmm. which is there are there are a lot of elements in it that I really like. But as an overall story, it felt like it lacked something. And I don't know if you all had the Mm -hmm. same impression But reasons is what it lacked. There's (laughs) too much going on here. There's no reason for. Yeah. Yeah. But it was
1: still I thought it was a lot of fun. It just is is incoherent, but not in a painful way. Right. I agree. Right. It was fun for me to watch because this was when this came
2: out was when I was first watching classic who, you know, these 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 came over about a year, at least for where I was at, came over about a year after they broadcast in the UK. So, you know, I got to watch this new Right. back then so it was kind of fun to go back and watch this again and you know say okay this was this was i remember being you know a kid watching this on a you know friday night when they would do the movie version they take the entire serial cram it into one movie okay so it'd be like a, it'd be like an almost two hour movie
0: right right
2: and they do that every week
0: yeah i mean that's how i usually watch these classic is uh, i watch them all in a run if i can uh like mm-hmm. that yeah it, it one of the things i felt that it lacked was i kept waiting for it's an arthurian story it's about the legend of Mm -hmm. king arthur i kept waiting for arthur to show up (laughs) and and i felt kind of disappointed (laughs) well yeah a very dusty (laughs) very dead (laughs) arthur i I felt kind of i don't know a little gypped in a way like i i I, that was my expectation once we started introducing the arthurian elements because we know what in the legend of king arthur he goes at the end of that he's mortally wounded but goes off to avalon and the legend is he will return. And that's actually something that is brought up in the beginning of this story. And, he, and it turns out he's dead. And I'm like, I mean, I get why they did it. It was the, the payoff with Morgan Le Fay and, and the doctor at the end. But I kind of felt like I wanted Arthur. I, I'm a big Arthur fan, Arthurian legend mm-hmm. fan. I can understand that. I
1: I guess they wanted to subvert that mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in this case. Yeah. And they signaled it pretty early by showing us the body of Arthur and making it and referring to him as freeze dried and mm. not making it clear is he really dead or is he really not is he in suspended animation, yeah, you know I've seen a lot of adaptations of arthur Arthurian stuff where there is where King Arthur does not appear in the flesh
2: mm.
1: like for example the uh the comic book Mage has a character named Kevin Matchstick who is a modern guy and has a magic baseball bat that is somehow Excalibur. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he I don't I Arthur never appears on screen except Kevin Matchstick is kind of Arthur.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so here we have the doctor being Merlin and I and we have a kind of surrogate for Arthur which is Anselin. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so he plays that kind of role in the story. What I thought was left out of this is just the reason for these various things. Why is there a nuclear missile at an (laughs) archeological site by this lake? Right. You know, that, that, that doesn't make any sense. And then why does Morgana want to set it off? What exactly is her plan? Who's, why are these people from this other dimension crossing over into ours? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, why, I guess it's because Morgana wants to have a showdown with Arthur who was last seen in our dimension 1,200 years ago, but why she's here now doesn't make any sense. And then why is Anselin here? You know, we've got both factions from the other side crossing over and we know nothing about Anselin's faction. He's like the only
0: guy that survives. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, Anselin is not in Arthurian legend. I mean, he's invented for this story, right? And I was, right. And and that's the other thing is I'm like, well, why didn't you just like use I don't know, Lancelot or Gawain or like one of the known Arthurian he's, knights? He,
1: he, if I recall correctly, now Anselin does give his full name in Welsh. Yes. And I remember reading it translated as as he's like the son of, I guess.
0: Lancelot and Guinevere. Or Gwy- well, it translates as the son of Gawain. Uh, oh, Gawain! I'm well, sorry. I, I knew well, it was my, one of the knights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, and uh, that's like you said for reasons. Like they just—he's not one of the the known knights of the Round Table. He's a new guy for whatever reason. I guess. I mean, it, it, this is one of the things. Is like it's it's a it was a good story. It just mm-hmm. I I don't it, it didn't all hold together. I guess. Well, in any case, I think
1: think it's going to depend on how closely an individual person wants to see the standard Arthurian cycle repeated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you want to see it repeated exactly in a new key, then you're going to find it disappointing. But if it's not important to you that you see every element of it or, you know, or, you know, as many elements of it repeated, then you can enjoy this more for what it is. Yeah. And
2: it's definitely seen, seen, you know, the, the characters that are familiar from the King Arthur legend. In modern day is basically what's meant to be, right? Is kind of how I took it, but it was, yeah, it was. It, there, there are points where it does seem just a little disjointed, where it's kind of moving around. Things are going on. Should mention real quick, um, talk about Morgan Lefay. She, she might look familiar for for us. It was played oh, by Jean yeah. Marsh, who was yeah. Sarah Kingdom, a, a companion of the Doctors of the uh, first Doctor, back at the time yes. of the Daleks' Master Plan, but only during that serial. But we saw her at the feast of Saint Stephen. Christmas special, last Christmas. Right. I,
1: uh, I was going to point that out. Yeah, we have, we have, so Dom, you have seen her in the Sarah Kingdom role before. Right. She was the one that, when they went to the movie uh, production studio, for example, that she's, she's the new find, you know, she's going to be the new actress oh, and stuff. And she was like okay. the future police woman. She's, she, she's yeah. really this space soldier from 10,000 years ahead of our time. <laughs>
0: Oh, OK. OK. Yeah, 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 yeah. OK. Yeah, of course, Gene Marsh also is also a, known
1: for a lot of other things, not just Doctor Who. I mean, she's, yeah, she's a big she actress, a famous, yeah. famous upstairs, actress. downstairs and all kinds of things. Yeah. Also, there's a really nice bit in here. So with Gene Marsh and Nicholas Courtney, who plays mm-hmm. the brigadier. So one of the interesting things they do with the character of more of Mor- they call her Morgane, also Morgan, Morgana. So one of the interesting things about her is she's not just a cackling evil villain right. twirling mm-hmm. her mustache. I agree. Yeah. She is. She has a code of ethics, and it's very strong. She, when she crosses over to our world, she finds this World War One and Two memorial mm-hmm. for soldiers who fell in battle, and she is horrified that her son Mordred has not performed this special ceremony to consecrate the memory of the fallen dead Mm. and they got to pay their respects. So they proceed to do this also later to pay Mordred's bar bill. She gives a blind woman back her sight. Right. Right. And then obviously, finally the doctor talks her into nuclear weapons falling from the sky and destroying children is not honorable. Right. And so she does have this code of ethics, but there's a great interaction where they're doing their ceremony to honor the fallen dead the brigadier comes across them, and she's delighted to meet a warrior of this world, mm-hmm. and he's holding a gun on them, and she and we don't see the full interaction, but we get him summing it up, and he's saying, okay, so let me get this straight. You're performing a ceremony, a solemn ceremony, to honor the fallen of our world wars, and while this ceremony is taking place, we are under truce, and she's like, yes, and so he's good with that, and then she says, I mean, you know, Malice, but when we meet again, I will kill you. <laughs> and and the thing is, in the Daleks master plan, Nicholas Courtney played her brother, who was oh. also a, one of the space agents, and she
0: killed him in that story. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> that is That's a deep cut. Awesome. That is awesome. You know, speaking of like the, the Morgan not being just a cackling evil villain, it is interesting, like she's kind of capricious and it's eh, well no she's got a, a code that she's following because just before she heals the innkeeper's wife of her blindness she has disintegrated a unit soldier you mm-hmm. know trying to but because that was a warrior like the unit soldier was a, a warrior and so that was that was a fair kill whereas yep. healing the innkeeper's wife that was fair too yeah so it it, it is interesting I, I liked that they've they've given some depth to that character mm mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. let's let's talk about the the brigadier in the room. I mean, it is great to have Nicholas. Well, Courtney. there's two. Well, I, to I, I want them. to talk about the, the 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 brigadier that we all know and love and think about when we say the brigadier in Doctor Who, which is, and we'll get to the other one in a second. But you know, having you know Lethbridge Stewart, having Nicholas Courtney show up in in this, it was uh, was fun. I mean, especially I can imagine at the time it was first airing, it had been a long time since fans had seen the brigadier, and so yep. that must have been a real great fan service at the time
2: well there's a lot of fan service in this episode i mean and it's it yeah. very much throwback because you've got the brigadier and uh-huh. we finally get
0: to meet doris you
2: know he yeah. always talked about doris but we finally got to meet her which is um, awesome yeah bessie we had bessie, bessie uh, the yeah. doctor doctor had a uh, unit uh pass pass cards and one of them was for liz
1: shaw
0: right ace had to pretend to be liz <laughs> which was great
1: you know, it, I like how Ace points out she looks nothing like me. And the doctor says, just think like a physicist. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, you, you can
2: imagine then the doctor's card would have been the third doctor then.
1: Right, mm-hmm. right. We should also remind people that Bessie is the yellow Edwardian oh, right. car, car that the doctor has tricked out. And we get to see it in this episode. We haven't seen it since since the fourth doctor's time. Five doctors. Oh, we did see it briefly in the five doctors special, yeah.
0: Right, right. And this, it, it's a license tag. Is now who seven? Of mm-hmm. course, because mm-hmm. it's the seventh Doctor, <laughs> which was good. Um, so, uh, it is yeah. So it was great to have the Brigadier there. Although you know, it took it forever to get him in the same "quote unquote" room as the Doctor to, yeah. together. Uh, but two episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was nice that, that that encounter was 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 kind of fun, and he's kind of it's a different Doctor's face, but he's rolling with it because he's been with the Doctor long enough. The one thing that we missed in this episode we never got I was expecting the entire time was five rounds rapid, you know we just we just didn't get that oh that line. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's more of a fan thing than, yep, uh, than right. on the show, although Nicholas Courtney named his memoir five rounds rapid, mm-hmm. but yeah it it is and, and does, i I get that
1: and he does see it once or
2: twice throughout his his run, but yeah, yeah. it's it's not like every episode
0: <laughs> no, 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 um so well, let's talk about the other brigadier, so the new the new characters we got we have a new brigadier. Uh, for unit a woman named Winifred Bambera uh and she's mm-hmm. a she's a real pistol i mean she's she's a real warrior uh, <laughs> out there on the battlefield mm-hmm. which was different for the 80s i
1: love the way that she and anselin interact mm-hmm. because they 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 really have this gilgamesh and kidu Kind chemistry that then goes even farther <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah I mean, they meet each other and he's like a knight that isn't going to talk to a peasant which is what he views her as and she's like not going to let this medieval yahoo run around <laughs> you know doing whatever he wants and they they end up fighting, and as the doctor and Ace and a new friend of Ace are like walking away from them, we just see them fighting in the background. And that fight was totally improvised; it was not choreographed. Mm-hmm. But they're just wrestling on the ground. And the doctor says, "Oh, they're just establishing their credentials. Don't worry about it." <laughs> and and then uh, you know, Bambera has defeated. Anselin, and he acknowledges it and you know later on it's like oh yeah she vanquished me and i i capitulated <laughs> mm-hmm. and and then as they continue to interact bambera looks at him at one point when they're driving a jeep and says so Anselin. Are you married or what? <laughs> and and then later, after they've had some battle experience together, he's like, When if it Winifred, art thou betrothed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so you can see we, we see this clearly romantic relationship evolving between them, which is really fun. I like that. Also, uh Bambera has a catchphrase that shows up multiple times in the first couple of episodes. She regularly says, "Oh, shame, yeah, yeah. and that that's because the character was originally written to be of Caribbean origin okay oh. and um and then they cast an actress from I think Manchester to mm. play the role, so she doesn't have a Caribbean accent, right, but in Caribbean Argut." Shame is a term of endearment. So you might say like, oh, shame, what a beautiful baby. I I figured it
2: was a stand-in for other uh, S-word that could be said on BBC.
0: (laughs) 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 Kind of like crack
2: is in Battlestar Galactica, you know? (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. So there's uh, uh, Brigadier Bambera, Brigadier Winifred. I'm trying to think of other major characters we have. Well... Shoyung. Yes. There's a young
1: Asian woman who is a lot like Ace in that she's an explosives fan. And so Ace and Chu have a lot of bonding over explosives and talking about, oh yeah, that one needed more brissons and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's around for a lot of this. And in there's a the kind of the the peak of her activity is in a scene where And I really like this. It's after they've gotten Excalibur, but the doctor knows a confrontation with with Morgana is coming. And he gives Ace a piece of chalk. And it's just an ordinary piece of chalk. He got it, he says, like, at the bar. Mm -hmm. And he says, draw a circle. The first sign of anything weird happening, draw a circle on the ground with a piece of chalk and stay inside of it with Excalibur and don't come out no matter what happens. And so, uh, Ace is with uh, Shuyin at the uh, at the tavern, the hotel, and and weird stuff starts happening. And so they do this: they draw a circle and they use a spotlight. They have the rest of the bar darkened mm-hmm. except for the spotlighted circle with Ace and Shuyin in it. And they've got Excalibur, and and they there's this fascinating scene where they start mishearing what the other one has just said mm-hmm. and take it offensively and they almost come to blows and are almost shoving each o- each other out of out of the circle and they're saying very cruel things to mm-hmm. each other and then they realize someone's messing with our minds and they just hug and in in Morgan's realm, wherever she is, she says we see her, and she says, "Oh, they breed their children strong on this world. Yeah. I like that." <laughs> right, well, right.
2: And that 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 fight argument was kind of interesting uh, when they're arguing because Ace uses a racial epithet that you would not use on TV today, even in that kind of circumstance.
0: Right, I right. Mean, it would just not be allowed. Yeah. Flat
2: out insult. You know, uses those very stereotypical it, it, Asian it, terms. It actually had on we, the. We,
1: we, we should clarify this. What Ace says is not a. It's it's a description, right? right. It's not a. It's not an epithet in the sense of a name. No. The, so she's she's not yeah. right. racially name calling. Shu Yan, but it, it's she's she's describing racial characteristics from the perspective of a European as a way of othering her. Well, but right. the,
2: the the description is one that you would not use on TV today at all.
0: Right, you know? no, right,
2: but I mean, even, again, even in this kind of circumstance, they would never because they actually put is a warning in Ritbox that you know some language may be offensive, you know, because because of this particular yeah, scene. They they
1: they people are hypersensitive today. Yeah. yeah, right. This is this is this is. I mean, if you read those content warnings on TV shows now, it's like smoking, language, violence, drug use, and it makes you th- if you just yeah. go based off of those things, it's like wait, someone had a cigarette in the background in one scene. Yeah. You know, well, yes. this is it, it. This content warnings are getting ridiculous these days. Also, in in this case, it's understood this is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. No, in I context, it's not portrayed as this is socially acceptable behavior. It's this is Ace with her mind being messed with to turn her against right. someone. So this is a horrible thing that's happening. Right, right, right. And and it doesn't arise. I mean. I understand you dis- I I've always find this these kind of ways of othering someone a little bit childish mm-hmm. you know if someone called me a pink-skinned red-bearded freak <laughs> I'm not really going to care yeah right because they're just describing superficial characteristics right and so I don't know that we need to clutch our pearls too much over you pointed-eared green-blooded Vulcan or equivalents for mm. humans. Yeah, they're rude. They're othering, but they, are, they don't go to the essence of a person's character. And, and it's, it's like on The Good Place. Where you have the people from the bad place mm-hmm. whose whose insults are terrible. They're just juvenile nonsense. It's like, oh, you're a poopy head, <laughs> right? You know, it, 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 it's 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 banal. Yeah. It, it's not a a really cutting insult. Is going to be something like the people around you don't actually like you as much as you think they do, but because you're their boss, they give you more respect that they don't actually feel you deserve. <laughs> okay. That goes to someone's heart, but you're a poopy head does not. <laughs> and and to me, pointed eared green blooded Vulcan or pink skinned red bearded freak, those are those are superficial characteristics. Mm-hmm. It's just a way of othering somebody when you don't have anything more cutting to right. say. Right. This is like the shallow waiting end of ostracism. Mm-hmm.
0: We've become very, very it's it's superficial. Yeah, yeah. we've become very exactly. superficial as a as a society. Uh, you know easily easily uh, offended easily hurt um, sticks it, and stones <laughs> but it is interesting though in the
2: midst of the argument that she drops into this yeah again yeah, this yeah. othering you know instead of just you know because she uh, Shaolin or Ace thinks Shaolin is calling her a freak and Ace calling her ignorant and all these different right. things you know so
0: yeah yeah yeah, I also,
1: also like Shaolin gets a nice line in here, where or an interesting line where after they've drawn the circle, uh, Ace says, "So do you think we should sprinkle holy water?" And Shaolin says, "I don't know, not my mythology." <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting the whole the drawing a chalk circle. I mean, that is there's a few elements in this story which really draw from traditional, uh, 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 well, Wiccan's the traditional, but traditional witchcraft beliefs yeah. about about you know magic and powers like a chalk circle is a is a ring of power that contains or holds out magic uh there's another point where the doctor oh, that 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 goes
1: way back yeah. uh in that's in Egyptian ritual too that's right. why car- that's why pharaohs have cartouches drawn around their names those are protective magic circles right. around the name of the pharaoh
0: and if you break the circle you let the power in the uh, this it was interesting that they made silver into the thing that that um hurts the fairy or fae, the in the demon, fey, the, the mm-hmm. demon specifically, uh, whereas traditionally it's been iron. So I thought that was kind of uh, interesting that they went with silver in this. But as soon as the Doctor mentions silver bullets, I'm yep. thinking, oh, <laughs> the Chekhov silver bullets are coming for Chekhov's gun. <laughs> Yeah,
1: <laughs> actually, that was that was I I, I thought that was nicely done. Yeah. And so the Doctor is talking to the Brigadier, and the Brigadier is is discussing the weaponry that unit now has. Because in the past, units' weaponry has always been highly ineffective mm-hmm. against whatever they were fighting. And the brigadier says, that's no longer the case. We yeah. now have shells that could go through a Dalek. Uh, we've prepared – we have other ones that are designed to handle Yeti, and, which were robotic, as you mm-hmm. may remember. Uh, we have this other thing that's highly effective against robots. And we even have golden bullets for you-know-what, meaning the Cybermen. Yep. right? And the doctor says, oh, do you have silver bullets? And, and the brigadier is like silver bullets. Why would we have those, you know, because they're classically used against werewolves. Mm-hmm. And yeah. The doctor says, you never know. Yeah. And, the, and as soon as the doctor's gone, the brigadier turns to someone and says, do we have silver bullets? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go get some. <laughs>
2: well, it was, it was, it was funny back, you know, way back, well, I can't remember what episode it was, but there was an episode where the, where the brigadier says, just once I want an enemy that I can kill. <laughs> or, right. that, or that bullets are effective on you know that but, yeah yeah they have been impervious
0: the, to bullets they might have been that's, that's the autons always. yeah, yeah. I, I, it might have been when they, when they were going after the autons one of the things that come up when they when they're going through the i like the whole point of like the archaeological archaeological dig they're talking to the uh the, the curator the the keeper of the the Carberryus uh, trust Estate and how he's been doing this archaeological dig going down millimeter by millimeter with a brush and it took him 10 years to get what looks like about four inches deep and then the doctor's like ace and she throws some <laughs> nitro nine in there and <laughs> blows the thing up yep. to uncover a uh a tunnel oh because it was a a a, a plaque that they uncovered that said mm-hmm. dr dig here uh, yeah so, dig hole here dig he hole had left here. his own note for himself and they find this tunnel and you uh, correct me if i'm wrong they go into the tunnel and ace says it's made of concrete or yeah, concrete. They didn't have that in the 8th century. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I mean, the Pantheon in Rome is much older than that and is made of concrete. A lot of stuff in Rome is made from concrete, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, they may
1: not have had concrete in seven hundred in, in 700s Britain. Okay. There, I, I don't know.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. Although, yeah, Romans had it and Romans were in Britain before that. So it's possible. But yeah, that's true. That's true. And at another point, the doctor ends up using a uh, they're evacuating the civilians now that the tavern's been blown up and uh, or just before it got blown up. But they're evacuating the civilians and they they're kind of refusing to go. And the doctor uses a Jedi mind trick on them to convince Mm them. I thought that was interesting. He actually does. He does psychic
1: stuff more than once later in in the final episode he just puts his fingers on Mordred's head and telepathically KOs him. Yep. Yeah. Just knocks him out. So, but he also then uses his hypnosis or telepathy, his time Lord hypnosis or telepathy on the locals. And they're talking about how angry they are and how they're not going to leave. And he then, uh, you know, very masterfully tells them you want to leave. And, (laughs) and they're still angry. But now they want to leave, yes. and it's like, come on, we're leaving. I mean, you can't reason with these unit people. You know, we let us get out of here now. Yeah. <laughs> right. and, and I, lo- I, I, I love how it fuses their pre-existing. I mean, they don't change the anger part; it just changes that we want to leave part. Right, <laughs>
0: right. So one of the things I was reading about this and about these this this last run of episodes, and we've talked about this before, is how the seventh Doctor gets darker in mm-hmm. personality. And, but I'm I'm trying to of understand what about him in in this story was darker than expected his you know. coat his coat
1: Yeah, and that, <laughs> okay. and that He's no longer
0: was... wearing the the cream colored coat
1: yeah and that okay. was an
2: actual conscious decision on the part of the producers to put him in a dark in darker clothes because going from here he does get very much more dark let's just put it that way i wouldn't say very okay. dark but much darker coming but in from this, after one, this story
0: but in this one is there much dark about the doctor Well, so he, he,
1: at one point he's, he is a, and they call Morgan calls his bluff on this, but he's ready to decapitate Mordred. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's also part of the going dark is he's, he's operating on multiple levels. And we see that happening here where we have this story that involves and by the way i really like the fact this involves the Dory, the doctor interacting with his future right and, you know this is another showing what can be done on a time travel show where it, the the lead character does not necessarily know everything yet because he hasn't yet become merlin right but he's he's operating on this kind of four-dimensional chess level where we have the story being involving elements of his future and the pa- our past and stuff like that he also, as part of his darkness, he focuses more on psychology and, and going to people's core motivations, and he ends up talking, we, we get, sort of get talking fixes, like we get here, where he talks, he makes this impassioned and really kind of dark speech about nuclear weapons mm-hmm. to, to, to Morgan to talk her down. Mm-hmm. And then he breaks her heart, right. you know. Arthur's just dead. You can't have a final glorious battle with him. And so there, there are elements, but Father Corey's right. It's gonna he's he's gonna go darker than this. Okay. Yep. Okay.
0: There Very is one so. point where he he thinks the destroyer has killed Ace, the the demon, and he he like if they're dead, you know you're you, you well wait do you see what I do now? So there, I mean that was kind of a little bit I thought of. Of that you could you, you see through the doctor's silly aspect and then there comes out this um a bit of a darker aspect as well mm-hmm. so that was I thought well, it, that was it, there it is
2: interesting the seventh doctor very much you know of course he's kind of considered a clown, but he really does have the the anger the seriousness the darkness that mm-hmm. they again they will start playing on much more over the course of this this season
0: okay i'm I'm looking forward to that. So as we as the 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 this story was wrapping up we got to a really interesting point where they the doctor and Ace and the brigadier have escaped from the destroyer out of the 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 ruined castle where where Morgan had kept him and they need to go back in with the gun with the silver bullets to kill it and the brigadier sandbags the doctor like knocks him out to take the gun and go to apparently, you know. They yeah, expect. he KOs the
1: doctor. yeah wow.
0: and he, it, It's like a suicide mission. He's going to go in and, and, and kill the, the destroyer with the bu- silver bullets. I I was I was kind of shocked. Like, wow, <laughs> the, 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 the Brigadier <laughs> KOing the doctor on this one. That was pretty. Pretty uh, uh, wild, but uh, of course he he survives that, which was good.
1: O- originally, so that's the brigadier going off to his final confrontation with the destroyer. Mm-hmm. Originally, he was going to die, ah. and and Nicholas uh, or Courtney was actually on board with them killing off his character. But and so was John Nathan Turner. So they were all set. This was going to be the big the brigadier's you know final going out story. And it was actually the last time he appeared on camera on the show, yep. but they they ended up doing a. You can't kill Savick, so <laughs> you know he's a beloved character now, and right. he's got to survive. The author could not bear to kill him. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But he that that's part of why he gets so so much macho stuff he's doing here. Uh, earlier, when the doctor will not decapitate Mordred, the doctor points a gun at him and just says, "Try me." <laughs> brigadier, the brigadier and, does, and, and yeah. uh, the brigadier—I'm yeah. sorry—the brigadier points a gun at Mordred and says, "Try me." And <laughs> and Morgana is like, "This guy is a warrior of this world. He's steeped in blood. He can do it." <laughs> and and then you know, amping up even from there, the doctor—you know—the uh, brigadier punches the doctor and knocks him out, and then goes off on his own to confront mm-hmm. the destroyer. Right. Right.
2: I love I love that great scene where the doctor runs up and thinks he's dead. It's like, you were supposed to die in your bed. And it's like, I'm not dead yet. You were supposed to be dead.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then, you know, I, I like, there's a, there's a nice little wrap up where they are back at the, uh, the Brigadier's home and the girls are going out for a day uh, on the town with the uh, Doris and Ace and. Was Xiao Young there? sure Sh- Young, yep. yeah, yeah, she's there. And, it's all four of them, and uh, and the Brigadier uh, Bambera uh, were all going out around the town. And I love this. Uh, the the, the, on, the on Bessie,
1: they're taking yeah. Bessie.
0: Yeah, and uh, what was it? They, they, they she was kind of like leaving uh, orders for the but but Doris dinner. Yes, make whatever you want. <laughs> we'll be extra delicious. delicious. No, she- <laughs> yeah, make
1: something delicious. And so she they give the men the task to do. So the Brigadier's got to tend the garden uh anselin is going to use the lawnmower and the doctor's going to make dinner <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Right, right yeah. that was I, a, I, that was a, a nice I wrap like up the way there. they
2: phrase that too to roll the lawn you know of course that's like the old push mower where it's a roller it's actually more of a cutter than it is a mower, yeah. as
0: we think of oh he had a beautiful lawn i mean i just like i was in, in awe of the brigadier's <laughs> landscaping it was uh, <laughs> i'm very suburban <laughs> so any other things you, you all wanted to mention about this episode father Corey?
2: Another great line I like from the the brigadier. Uh, there in the he's in the helicopter with Lavelle, and he says, "You know, she asks. We we don't know what the situation is here." And he says, "The situation, Lavelle, is normal. It doesn't get any worse than that." And of course, I had to <laughs> laugh because I think of the military term "snafu." I'm going to use the G, G-rated version: yeah. "Situation normal, all fouled up."
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we didn't say much about Lavelle. I mean, that that was an interesting character. She didn't have a whole lot of uh, time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she died relatively yeah. early, but. Um, She was a helicopter
1: pilot. She was – and apparently from Czechoslovakia. Yeah. Which actually wouldn't be Czechoslovakia by the era this is set. It fell apart as part of the Velvet Divorce. Right. But the – one aspect of UNIT here in this is that it's much more integrated. Mm -hmm. It is not everybody is British. Yeah. I mean it's always supposed to have been the United Nations task force. But we only ever saw, you know, a unit composed entirely of British people, you know, right. Corporal Benson and Captain Yates mm-hmm. and the brigadier and so forth. But in this, we see unit people from multiple nationalities, and they're all working together. They're all integrated, and they imply that it always has been integrated because mm-hmm. there's, I believe, it was it Russian? There's a Russian unit member who, who recalls serving with the brigadier during the third doctor's time. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I remember that. Um, I mean,
2: the speaking of the helicopter, I got a kick out of. You know, of course, they didn't want to crash a real helicopter, so yeah. they made a wood frame that <laughs> looks kind of, sort of, looked like it, and that's what they set on
0: fire. Yes. So kind of, sort of, mm. it was burning, and so that yeah, that was good enough. Uh, oh. G- Jimmy, anything else? So we talked about,
1: I mentioned briefly how this alternate universe has both futuristic and Arthurian elements. We didn't really talk about the futuristic one, but basically Mm -hmm. imagine armored knights with ray guns. Right. Mm -hmm. The TARDIS in this has been painted almost powder blue. You know, there are times when I've commented that, wow, in this episode, the TARDIS looks like it really needs a paint job or something, and here it's had one, but... Powder blue really? <laughs> it, when they're in the bar and uh, the doctor orders a glass of water and Ace and makes or Ace order a lemonade instead of a Coke and vodka.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They're told the price is five pounds and Ace is amazed by that. And the doctor reminds her it's the future. So implying that there's been inflation, <laughs> which he doesn't explain is caused by the government's monetary policy that they're entirely in charge of. <laughs> <laughs> But he, when he pulls stuff out of his pocket to pay it, he's got a bunch of coins, including a five-pound coin and a little weird robotic bug. Yeah. yeah, That starts walking around, and 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 he grabs it and explains it's a valuable piece of coinage. Yeah, right. So on some other planet, they've got little walking bugs, at, robot bugs, as coinage. Yeah. <laughs> this series. Oh, we also have a moment in this serial of Ace as the Lady of the Lake. Where she's coming up from the spaceship and she's got Excalibur and her arm comes up through the water holding Excalibur first.
0: As Wormsley's explaining the Lady of the Lake legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) And and she then walks up to shore and hands it to Anselin and says, here, you can be the king of England. (laughs) Um, The... uh, it, it was a fun science fantasy romp. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. It had an anomalously large number of pyrotechnic explosions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, um, they went on more all out. than most. More than most Doctor Who episodes. Interestingly, it it also kind of resonates with the Silver Nemesis mm-hmm. because you'll recall we had Lady Painfort in that, mm-hmm. and and her servant who was like almost companion material. I mean, could have could it become a companion sure. if they wanted? And, and that's, the vibe is a lot like Morgan here and Anselin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Anselin is not Morgan's servant, but the characters and the themes of the stories are very reminiscent. Right.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that was Um, the 25th anniversary special, the Silver nemesis. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was just one season ago. Yeah.
1: Also, there's a nice line, which uh, when Bambera and Anselin are fighting in a battle, Anselin's pointing out how how they're basically doomed, and she says that's what we're paid for or that we're gonna die, and she says that's what we're paid for, so let's do it with some style <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and,
1: um and that's fun and then at the end when when for whatever reason uh Morgan wants to set off the nuclear bomb, she's interrogating Bambera and says, "What is the secret incantation mm-hmm. and she's got a screen in front of her that like says failsafe release code you know yep. enter here or something and she says what is the secret incantation and Bambera's is like the what the magic words the uh failsafe release code yeah <laughs> and, <laughs> and i i like that interaction yeah. as soon as she said secret incantation i thought it's the code Yep. right and it was nice to see them play those two concepts together
0: all right, so I think that should about do it for uh, our discussion. I mean, I, I like you said, I, there was lots I liked about this, and, and now that we've talked about it, I, I like it even a little more that, mm-hmm. you know, that we've had some time to discuss it. So, um, yeah, it was a good start to this last season for the, the Seventh Doctor and for the Classic Who. All right, to wrap things up, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Catherine M., Ramiro G, Ken M, Blake P, and Steve C. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd also like to thank Victor Lambs who edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. What did you think of the seventh Doctor story, Battlefield? You can let us know by commenting on the show at or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send an email to Doctor Who at sqpn.com We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the 11th Doctor story The Power of Three uh, yeah, and no. Sesame Street <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> The Power of Three <laughs> and The Count Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Doctor Who Thanks, Dom And Father Corey Stika, thank you as well Thank you, Dom and once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Doctor Who on Starquest. And remember, just between you and me, Mordred, I'm getting a little tired of hearing about your mother. Right. This is going to be fun.